Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, once again, it's the holiday season, and as I'm speaking to you today, it's the first Sunday of Advent, our season of waiting and watching for the coming of Christ our Savior. Now, ordinarily, this is a time of year filled with anticipation, preparation, and celebration, most especially in the church, where we're busily decorating, practicing songs and carols, rehearsing for the children's Christmas pageant, and readying ourselves for a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. Of course, I say ordinarily, because as you well know, this is not an ordinary year. And because of all the ongoing concerns with the COVID-19 pandemic, we've all been faced to make adjustments to our most cherished traditions of the season, the church included. And out of a concern for safety and health and out of our love for one another, we will adjust. Still, it seems to me that the most important parts of Christmas, hope, peace, joy, love, and of course, the Christ child himself, we need Christmas now more than ever. It's with that in mind and heart that today we begin a new sermon series for this Advent and Christmas season. We're calling it Christmas Now More Than Ever. And we're beginning with some thoughts on this very different holiday season with a message based on the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. It's entitled, Where Are You, Christmas? Well, let me just say this up front. I get it. I really do. That piece of scripture we just shared, the one Gene just read to us from Isaiah, I understand. Given that it's the first Sunday of Advent and it is now sort of officially the beginning of the holiday season, this is about the least festive and about the least Christmassy text I could have possibly chosen for this morning. I mean, I do understand that it's not Christmas yet, that we shouldn't really celebrate Christmas until that time comes. But that said, ordinarily, we think of the Advent season as a time of patient, hopeful waiting for the joyous event of Christmas. In the words of uh, Diane Jacobson of Luther Northwestern Seminary, she says that at Christmas, our thoughts this time of year are that God comes to us as a little child. Now we wait, then God comes, and all is right with the world. That's how we do Advent, right? But in our text for this morning, what we've got are the lamentations of God's people Israel, quite literally, standing on the rubble of their lost hope. Their temple is destroyed. Their city is in ruins. Their lives as they had known them were gone. Gone forever. And they're all crying out in utter and unrestrained anguish to their God. Asking how long it is that they must wait for their salvation. Begging the Almighty that he would rip open the heavens and descend. To make the mountains shudder at his presence. There once was a time. We read in this text, when God wielded his glorious arm of power and he had acted on behalf of Israel. But 
Now all Israel can do is wonder where God's zeal and God's might had gone. What they were supposed to do now in the faith, face of their own faithlessness and sin. To put this another way, what we have here in this text is an utterly imperfect world. A time and place where things are not going at all well. And a people who are sad deeply disillusioned and wondering aloud where God is in the midst of it all. <laughs> in other words, a time very much like our own. Now, perhaps, like me, you found it very interesting that even though the holiday season has barely begun, we've already heard time and time again, much in the same manner we heard about the Thanksgiving Day that has just passed, that this particular Christmas simply isn't going to be the same. And sadly, I got to admit, that's a pretty good assumption at this point. Between the effects of this ongoing pandemic, likely keeping family and friends from celebrating together this month, and with congregations like our own being unable to gather at church for in-person services of worship in this sacred season, our shared journey to the manger this year is shaping up to be a very different kind of experience. And let's not even talk about the lingering anger and fatigue we've been left with during this very divisive year in the world. There are just so many things that traditionally happen this time of the year that we know probably won't happen in 2020. And so there's admittedly a sense of melancholy that's already crept into this Advent and Christmas season. I don't know about you, but I'm even hearing Christmas music a little differently this year. And you know how much I love Christmas music. For instance, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light next year. All our troubles will be out of sight. Oh, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the ones I used to know. Oh. All of those songs sound just a little bit more bittersweet than they ever did before, for me at least. And then there's this song from one of the Grinch movies, Where Are You Christmas? Which pretty much, the song anyway, pretty much does me in every time I hear it, especially the version that Cindy Lou Who sings in the movie itself. Where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Where have you gone? My world is changing. I'm rearranging. Does that mean Christmas changes too? I know. I know. And by the way, I pretty much put that song in the same category as the one about the Christmas shoes. Just saying. Now, granted, a year without the regular traditions and a slight overabundance of sad songs is not the same as God's people standing over the rubble of a fallen nation. But what I would suggest to you, that in these days we're living that remain imperfect, where the problems of the world persist, a good many of us, even you and me at times, have questioned where God is in the midst of it all. And we're not alone in this, friends. Dan Clendenin, 
has written that in times such as these, if you open your eyes and your heart, you see your friends, colleagues, and neighbors struggling to detect some glimmer of hope in times of confusion, pain, and darkness. Can we discern, he asks, even the faintest signal that God is not entirely absent and silent? Might we legitimately hope for even a modicum of health, wholeness, and healing for ourselves and for those we love? Where are you, Christmas? Where are you, God? Now, lest you think that your pastor has become all hopeless and despairing as this Advent season begins, let me just say this. I do believe, and I know with all my heart, that Christmas is about the unspeakable joy that comes in the gift of a child born in the manger. This season is about no less than God being born into the world and into our hearts. That's a truth that's at the very center of our Christian faith. And it is more than enough reason, I would say, for unbridled celebration, even in this woe-begotten year 2020. But, if I might quote C.S. Lewis here, our Christian faith does not begin with joy, but rather it begins in despair. And it is no good trying to reach the joy without having first gone through the despair. So, friends, if we are truly to celebrate God's being born into the world, it begins truly with a lament of a desperate people who are fearful that life as they've known it is completely over, that all hope is gone, that somehow God has been left out of the proceedings. Because ultimately, it's not only the lamentations of God's people centuries past. This is our lament as well. In our text this morning, we hear the cries of those from every generation, most especially our generation, who are feeling so beaten down they have nothing left, and yet who cry out all the more for what it is they know to be true, what they know they have needed all along, and most importantly, of who they know gave this to them, even in the face of faithlessness and sin. Hear the words of Isaiah. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. And yet, O oh Lord, and yet, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O oh Lord. Consider that we are all your people. Yesterday, and today, it's the same full-throated cry. It is the same need, the same hope, yours and mine, for a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Christ of Christmas. And we need that Savior now more than ever. The season of Advent, of course, is a time of patient, hopeful, awaiting for the joyous Advent of Christmas. And it is, we need to remember, a dual act of awaiting. Symbolically, 
We await the birth of the child of Bethlehem who was born in a manger among shepherds and angels and farm animals. We are also, along with that, awaiting the next arrival of Christ, who we have been promised will come again. The first awaiting, in many ways, has to do with the calendar. And we mark the passage of days with the lighting of candles and the reminders of the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that this tiny baby embodies for the world and for us. We sing songs. And we set out the creche, and, and we return to all the cherished traditions these days as best we can. And before we know it, all too soon, the day is here, our waiting is done, and joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's the first waiting that we do. But the second waiting, well, that's something else again. Because to wait for Christ to come, to know that his kingdom is about to unfold in all its fullness, well, that, friends, requires true patience because this waiting does not follow a calendar, nor does it meet our expectations. Dan Clendenin again. We wait in patience, knowing that not every act of God reverberates like a pounding hammer. God does not always split open the heavens. Whereas even his closest disciples longed to call down fire from heaven and to brandish swords, Jesus compared his coming kingdom to tiny mustard seeds and to imperceptible but the certain fermentation of yeast of all things. Our Advent waiting is for a sure and certain revelation of an invisible kingdom. Or to put it in the words of the carol, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. The schedule, it's unknown to us. The specific nature of God's awesome power and the work of his hands is beyond our understanding. And yet, because God is our Father, and because we are the clay and God is our potter, we are the work of God's hands. We are all God's people, the people of God's sure and certain promises that are surely going to come to pass by God's intent and in God's good time. And so we wait. We wait. We wait patiently. We wait purposefully. And we wait actively staying alert to God's many whispers, as well as his shouts. No, there's no doubt that this Advent and Christmas season is going to be different this year for all of us. Certainly it will be for us in the church, and, and I'll confess to you both pastorally and personally that I'm feeling some real sadness about that. But it also seems to me, friends, that this year of all years, we're afforded a wonderful opportunity to really wait, to watch for signs of his coming. And in ways, what with all our holiday activities, we've never really had the time to before. Perhaps these are the days when we can finally pause to truly, as the psalmist has sung, 
wait on the Lord to be of good courage so that we may have our heart be strengthened. Or to, as Isaiah himself proclaimed it, to mount up on wings as eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. <laughs> or maybe it's a time to recognize who we really are in this world and what it is, who it is, that we really need in this life. In a word, there's ample room in this very different season of Advent for a spirit of penitence. William Willimon says this very well when he writes that this is why purple, the colors of penitence, adorns our altar and why it's around the neck of your preacher. We dare not rush to meet the Redeemer prematurely until we pause here in a darkened church to admit that we do need redemption. Nothing, Willimon writes, nothing within us can save us. No thing can save us. We tried that before. Our hope must be in someone out there who comes to us. We find our way only because one comes, takes our hand, and leads us home. It would do us good, says Willimon, if we spent our time in this darkness waiting prayerfully for this one who is about to come, this child who will, who will be born among us. If we are to see the fragile light which dawns among us in Christ, we must sit a while in this darkness. If we're to hear the songs of the angels, first we must be quiet. One thing is for sure, this crazy, uncertain, and utterly imperfect world keeps right on spinning and us along with it. Perhaps Christmas won't be the same this year. But I would suggest this to you this morning. Perhaps rather than being focused on that which we are losing, the better thing for us to do is to focus on what we have been given, on what God is doing, and what God has yet to show us. We would do well, you and me, now more than ever, to give thanks in prayer for the mercy of the God who continues, even in this very moment, to act, to give us mercy, and to work for the redemption of his people, to prepare our hearts to truly embrace the one who is coming soon and very soon. For indeed, from ages past, no one has heard, nor no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides our God, who works for those who wait on him. So let us wait on him, beloved. Let us watch, let us prepare, and as we do, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Where Are You, Christmas? The first installment of our current Advent Christmas sermon series, Christmas Now More Than Ever. It was recorded at our November the 29th online service of worship at East Church in Concord, New Hampshire. 
And yes, all through this season, we invite you to join us live for these online services by logging into Facebook Live on our East Church Facebook page each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We would love to have you be a part of this Advent worship experience right along with us. And with that, we're at the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you in this sacred season with a great day each and every day. Talk to you soon.